Hi, everyone. Welcome to the fifth episode in our interview series, How Do You Make 2021 Count for the Business You Love? Today's guest is a clinical pharmacist that transferred her life and went into mindset and motivational coaching. She focuses on energy leadership, time management, and productivity. So today's conversation will flow in the realms of this energy. I would like to welcome Michelle Quay. Michelle, your opening word, please. My opening word would be vision. Mm, okay. So based on that, let's jump in into getting to know you a little bit more. Let's talk about your background first. Tell us where you're from and what's your background about. So I was born in Taiwan, um, Chinese. My, my parents grew up in China and they, after the uh, Chinese Civilization War, they moved to Taiwan. So I was born in Taiwan and here I am in the United States and I came to this country when I was 15 years old. My whole family immigrated to United States uh, back when I was in junior high school. And it was, that was pretty much the beginning of my second half of, or maybe the third, second, third, um, what would be the correct way of saying it? But I grew up pretty much here in United States, in New York. I went to school in New York, got my clinical pharmacist degree in New York. And here I am, I'm actually living in sunny state, California, where the Epic Center is with the pandemic. Mm, wow. <laughs> All right. So... That's an interesting background. So from 15 years old, you're in the US and you're building your life from there. Um, through the time of becoming a clinical pharmacist up till now, uh, being a busy person, uh, it demands a lot of study, I believe. Um, where do you find yourself in the realms of being a night owl or a morning lark? I would definitely, it's interesting because I actually just did a, did a podcast episode myself on whether or not, where, how, how would I keep myself motivated throughout the day? And I noticed that I am a morning person. So I get a lot of things done and accomplished in the morning. So I get up four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, and I'm starting writing my content, putting out stuff and, and creating this, uh, whatever the post I want to share for that particular day. And then I move on to doing my regular routines, you know, meditation, doing work and taking calls. So I definitely consider myself a morning person, not a night, night owl. Uh, when it gets down to like after dark, um, you know how vampire, they usually become very active in the, in, at night. I'm not a vampire, that I know for sure, um, because I cannot function when it's dark. <laughs> what about 4 a.m.? 4 a.m. is pretty dark. Well, you can turn on the light, right? Technically, the sun is rising. It's always, uh, it's always nine o'clock somewhere around the world at four o'clock my time. <laughs> so, okay, so. fair enough. <laughs> All right, but um, give us a hint. How do you manage to do that? Like wake up four a.m. How did that come to be? I think a lot of it has to do with the habit of just getting up early in the morning and knowing that you there's a reason why we wake up in the morning oh that's and, beautiful what's and yours? i think 
so my reason for getting up in the morning is because I believe that every one of us has a purpose. We all came to this world to serve, to contribute, to make a difference, to make an impact. So no matter what type of work or in what field you belong to, you are here for a reason. And we are all here for a reason. Some of us took us many, many years to find that reason, to come to term with that reason. Um, but Others, you know, we're very fortunate to be able to see that path um, early on in our lives. So I believe every one of us has a reason to wake up to. Now, mm. what is that reason? What is that passion? That's something for you to find out. And so this is something I teach as a mindset coach. Mm -hmm. What is your purpose in life? What makes you feel excited to get up in the morning? And for me, that purpose um, came after a lifelong journey of living with a physical disability um, as a result of a car accident when I was 11 years old. Through that journey, just like everyone, you know, I went to school, followed the rule, and there's all these cultural beliefs that I was following just to get by my day because I used to believe that this is how I mean I am going to live. At 30, I should be looking for someone to get married. At 20, I should be out there looking for a job, making a difference. At 10, I was supposed to uh, pass, you know, um, all my exams in school and do well in school. So every stages of our life, we were taught to live under this expectation of this is who you are and this is what you're going to do and you fit under that category. Now, what if you don't? Then we get lost. We get confused. We're looking for our purpose. We're looking for a sense of belonging where we can actually fit ourselves in. So being living through that journey of having that physical disability, I, I didn't feel that I was belonging to anywhere. So I was lost in my self-identity. I didn't know who I was. I thought I was this individual who's going to go through pharmacy school, graduate, and hopefully I would be able to find that significant other and get married, but that's not the case. I didn't get that. You know, I kept getting rejects from job interview to become a manager in, in a hospital setting. I keep getting reject from the relationship going out on date by men and, and by all these my peers who doesn't really see me for who I am, but rather they look at the inability to do things in life. So through that journey, I lost my self-identity. I didn't know who I was. I had no sense of purpose. And waking up in the morning, it was just not something very motivated. What changed was finally one day I said to myself, you know, this is not the kind of life that I want to live. I want to wake up in the morning, feel passionate about something. And what is it that something? So I decided to go and find that something that was meaningful to me. Um, what was meaningful to me was this physical, you know, every, every woman dream of being this amazing body, having six packs, having uh, uh, people to, to want to, to, to marry you or to, to become something that's more desirable. And I wasn't having that. So I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start training myself to be that, to be desirable. So I went on and I decided to sign up to a gym. And that same year, I went and hiked Machu Picchu with my two crutches. But on that journey, what I have found was that sense of purpose. I finally found what I was meant to do in this 
lifetime in this on this planet on this earth how i can contribute i can contribute by you know showing up and looking all pretty and and you know looking like a normal person but what i can contribute is through my intelligence through my wisdom through the the idea that you know i actually have something to share to the world through changing your perspective perception changing your mindset and you can actually feel liberated and feel that enjoy that freedom in doing whatever that you are passionate to do which a lot of us you know unfortunately the school doesn't teach us those skill sets to to be more powerful the school teaches how to survive um so i have that ability to teach, teach someone through my own experience through my own personal journey that will inspire that one person to make a difference to wake up in the morning and feel excited about waking up that is my purpose and that was what i found so how do you how do you get up and feel motivated and that you're excited about waking up it's to find that purpose okay waking up uh, what kind of feeling do you get um because for example from my experience i had uh, when i wake up sometimes you get that feeling that you are disconnected from the previous day so it's like a fresh start how do you get yourself in the flow of your purpose so every day is different and i think one thing that this pandemic had taught us is that not to take things for granted never take your day to be granted because today you're waking up tomorrow you will never know whether or not you're going to wake up things will happen within that 24 hours there's a lot of uncertainty there's a lot of unknown what's really interesting about the idea of something that's unknown or that we don't know how it's going to be you can approach it with two different mindset or two different attitude of of doing things right so you can wake up and you feel afraid of what's going to happen today or you can feel uncertain about the situation and a lot of how we're experiencing in life it's basically going back and tracing back to six different influences in our lives so what are those six different influences they are emotional social mental emotional did i say emotional yeah i already say emotional <laughs> spiritual finance and what else did i miss something no emotional mental social environmental spiritual and one last one would be um i think i cover all i'm blanking out right now <laughs> but these are the <laughs> these are the six influencers is that it, is it is it something is yeah. it something like uh, the the inner and outer game like uh, where we have the inner game where we have the uh, the mind the emotions and the body and the outer game where we have the physical environment the relationships and the um, intellectual uh, environment yes yes yeah. so so you can you can view the world any any type of relationship um, i consider our, uh, myself you know in this world by having a relationship i'm having a relationship with you right now through a conversation this connection is a relationship i have a connection with the rest of the world right how it, what is my relationship to the world so there's always that external and internal our external world can impact how we feel inside and so can our internal world impacting what's going on on the outside so if you notice there's a lot of chaos around you 
sometimes, you know, you have all the external factor in place. You have the finance, you have the position, you have everything that you wanted in your life, but yet there's something that's not clicking. What is not clicking is because that internal chaos that still exists. So what works well and how do you self-motivate is by addressing the internal chaos that you're experiencing inside so that no matter who, what's going on on the outside, you can use that internal internal uh, uh, order, the place, the sense of order to affect what is going on on the outside. And so a lot of what the law of attraction is talking about, it's about going back to the inside and working from the inside out approach, right? But, and people are, are really good on, I got to manifest that. How do I, how do I get what I want? I need to manifest it, but it's not how you manifest it. It's who you are being when you manifest so if you are this person who just genuinely and you are down to the core from the bottom of your heart genuine and authentic and true to yourself to how you feel then you are being your true self when you are being your true self it's not a matter of how to manifest it's no matter what type of energy or vibration that you send out you're going to attract those who resonate with your vibration, resonating what is going on inside, and they just come naturally. You don't, it's effortless. So, so a lot of what I talk about is actually going back to the law of being, just being yourself, and all these things that's around you will just come naturally to you by attracting to you rather than you attracting to the things that you want. That is the difference. So we're all affected by all these external and internal uh, influence. So, so if you notice that there's something that's going on that makes you feel unmotivated, chances are there's some aspects of one of those influence, it's out of order. So recognizing which one is out of order, you can address it. So what you, the example that you gave was, what if you know, I had a I party too hard the night before and here I am, I don't feel motivated. Well, that's because you party too hard yesterday. So today, maybe you need to give yourself some permission to take some nap. Nap is great, by the way. Sleep is really great. <laughs> Sleep can make you feel more productive. I know I need it. Uh, at least six hours of sleep. What I meant is that uh, waking up in a state, not, not w depending on what you did the day before, but actually waking up and your, um, your focus is as though you've been in a deep meditation where you let go of all the worries, you let go of all the worrying things, and it's like, you know, um, sometimes I believe that this is uh, the difference I can explain it with. We wake up with the same mental pressure as we went to sleep with. And then we continue on that mental pressure to continue doing, 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 doing. So we went to sleep with an idea of finishing some work and we wake up with the same thought and we continue. That's how I imagine people can live. But for me, for example, when I uh, go to sleep and I wake up, I don't have that mental pressure anymore. And it it's a feeling of ease and I need to realign and refocus to get into that motion that I went to sleep with. 
And how does it work with you? Uh, do you wake up with the same, uh, let's say, call it mental pressure of the previous day? Or you wake up afresh and you have to focus on what you need to do? I, I wake up all refreshed. So, so I kind of, if I understand your question correctly, it, it's really about how do you turn on and off all these uh, mental chatter that's going on in our mind, right? So there's a lot of things that we're thinking about the day before, but once you go to sleep, when, once you wake up, technically it should feel like a reset button that you just press and here you are. It's another day of, of challenging the obstacle and excitement that's that's coming up for you, but yet we're still thinking about what had happened yesterday. So that, that there's no magic button that just turn on and off and say, you know, Ellen, today I'm going to think about how to be productive today. And tomorrow I'm going to think about how to be a better time management person. You, there's no button going in and out, on and on and off. You can't just turn it off. What will work is through practice. So I don't know if you, um, you agree with me on this, but it's, it's not a one, one time or one day thing that you can just suddenly and say, you know what, today I'm going to think about this and that. No, it was a, through a process of, of practicing, practicing through being mindful, practicing through being meditated, right, in that meditation state where you are becoming more aware of what is it that I am feeling and what is it that I am thinking and is it worth my effort to continue to live in the past and thinking about what had happened in the past? Uh, what about like you saying like, okay, waking up at 4 a.m., what's your first thought when you open your eyes? Like the alarm goes off or you're waking by, uh, up by yourself. What is the first uh, thought or several thoughts that you have? The first thing that came to my mind is how do I want to feel today? So your That's... automatic, your automatic thoughts, uh, you trained yourself to ask yourself a question. How do I want to feel today? Mm. Yep. So I think that's a very important way of setting up your intention. And this is something that, you know, I encourage people to, to do and put into practice is the first thing that you get up in the morning before you do anything else, get into a habit of asking yourself some empowering questions. Mm. How do I want to feel today? And sometimes your answer would be today. I feel like, is it a clean podcast? <laughs> nah, say as you want. Yeah, no so, filter. No filter. <laughs> no filter. Good. <laughs> so sometimes you know you you answer that question and how do I want to feel today? I feel like shit today. Great. That's that's something that you feel. Acknowledge that feeling. I feel like shit today. I don't feel like doing anything. Okay. How much time am I going to allow myself to feel like shit today? And maybe just for the next two hours, I'm, just, I'm not going to do anything, right? So it's really important to set that morning intention of how do you want to feel? And then you can talk about, okay, so if I want to feel um, more inspired, what is it that I need to do to mm. feel inspired? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I, what do I need to do in order to make myself mm. feel you know, more powerful? So you start getting into a habit of asking yourself, all these empowering questions. The beauty about asking yourself these empowering questions is it starts to training your mind to think the possibility, to think about the opportunity that you can actually be better. And that's what we're striving for. We're striving to be better. I can be the same, 
today, you know, I can feel today is the same day, just like yesterday, or I can actually have the intention of wanting to feel and make today to be a better day than yesterday. And sometimes that better day just means that, you know, I'm getting a little one more thing done today than compared to yesterday. That's better. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. But that, was the exact, that was the exact answer I was looking for. Super. Thank you. Um, let's talk about uh, passion. Uh, so one of the things that you mentioned is that you're super passionate about helping your clients and people in general, right? Impacting them to find their journey, to feel motivated, to accept themselves and shine. Um, can you name um, something additional to that that's truly you're passionate about? I'm really passionate about watching people. <laughs> I know this sounds weird, but you know, watching people change. And, and it's the change that I really enjoy um, just through the one-on-one -on -one coaching or through a conversation. Sometimes I would have these inspiring conversations with individual or stranger sometimes, and you see the change that's happening right in front of you. And that's what I'm really passionate about. I, I feel change is something really exciting. Change is something that you can look forward to. Change is something that every one of us are experiencing every single moment. And the fact that when I provide one particular insight that they have never thought about in their life before. And suddenly you see this light turn on. And, and you know, I, I can only relate it to my own personal experience where, you know, someone says something and I never thought about it before. And suddenly I realized, huh, I wonder why I never thought about it. And that expression, that change is immediate. It's powerful. It's right there in front of your eyes. And I truly enjoy watching a person's growth. I truly enjoy watching this person, how they're actually taking ownership of their life. So instead of being who they are now or who they think that they believe that uh, they, they are, now that you give them the possibility, there's hope. One of my, um, my first ever, when I started the business, my first ever client that I, I work with, he was a, um, he's a real, est real estate agent. And I remember he was just at the starting up of his own business. So he and I got together and I, I gave a couple of sessions to him. And on his check, the first check that I received uh, paid as a coach, he wrote on the check, hope. And I think that word really resonated with me a lot. And because through those conversations, we're providing hope. And that hope is going to be powerful enough to make someone wanting to change the way that they used to live. So I think one of my passion is to, to, to hope, not just to hope to change one person's life, but to hope that one person will change someone else and it becomes this ripple effect. It just spread out and that we're lifting the whole humanity together. Got you, very beautiful. So we touched on business. Tell us a little bit about the business you're currently building. Oh, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's, um, so I, I'm, I founded uh, Elevate Life Coaching um, as a result of my passion, 
uh, wanting to make a difference and impact others in their lives to inspire them to move forward. So when um, it's been a rough journey, um, on this journey, there's all these ups and downs because I think walking into a business, I had no business background all my life for the last 20, 20 or so years. I've been working in a clinical setting, in a hospital setting where I don't have to deal with a lot with money or when it comes to uh, client client work or how do you how do you. Uh, generate revenues? Um, what is it that you need to look for? And how do you even create a budget for your business? Do you need to create a mission for your business? Every single one of these, I had to learn from scratch. Um, and, and quite honestly, I didn't do it by myself. I was working with a um, mental coach who was helping me to set up the whole business mm-hmm. aspect. So he taught me how to create an account. How, what, what is it that you need to do to put out content? How do you do a lead generator? How do you approach a client? What do you do when you do a, a cold call or cold sales? Um, all these little things I had to learn along the way. So I am going on to my third year in this business. So it's a life coaching and seminar company. So I also um, do motivational speaking, which is why I'm here on this podcast, uh, because I was pitching myself as a speaker. Um, So on that journey, you know, it's a very long, tedious, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I was under the impression that whenever you create a... Uh, uh, maybe a, um, a free free giveaway, or maybe you're doing an offering for your new upcoming program that people would be jumping on it. That's not the case. The reality is that you know once you put it out, sometimes there is no there is no uh, revenue that comes to it. So the outcome, the disappointment is all real. It's all something that I had to work through as a business owner using that coaching skills I have of not attaching to the outcome. So it's been quite a journey. And um, I'm really proud to say that I started to get the, the gist of it. You know, I'm still learning every single day. I consider myself as the uh, masterpiece in progress. I'm still learning as we go. Super. So talking about your business, um, how do you manage to be in business, take care of the family, and take care of yourself at the same time? How do you balance? You got you to gotta learn to use your resource. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's, a, that's the biggest thing. As an entrepreneur, you know, we have this passion. And my passion is in coaching. My passion, remember I was sharing earlier, it's about watching someone's transformation. My passion is not dealing with coming up, generating data. My passion is not, you know, uh, putting out or graphics or creating or designing graphics. I don't want to do that. Initially, yes, you know, I have low budget, so I had to do everything on my own. But eventually what I end up um, doing is I outsource a lot of these uh, miscellaneous tasks to someone else who has the talent of doing it. And I think as an entrepreneur, it's something that's always good to keep in the back of our mind is that you are not a one person do it all person. We like to believe that we are one person who can do it all. But the truth is that you are not one person who can do it all. And, and sometimes it, 
actually works better for you to outsource these tasks to someone else. So currently um, I have a team. I work with a, a virtual assistant. I work with social media manager who helped me managing my social media so that I am not constantly engaging all my followers. I'm not constantly putting out these amazing graphics. You know, a lot of my idea, I just share with my team and they make it happen. So I think a lot of it has to do with, are you utilizing your resources to your advantage so that you can do your passion? So you can continue to have your passion, what is really, truly meaningful and the reason why you are here in the first place. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are the business processes. And what you've just shared is uh, freeing up your time to do what's meaningful for you. And at the same time, we have, uh, that, that's, let's call it, that's the business part, right? Uh, then we have the, your self-care part and your family part. How do you manage to input, uh, like you have a passion, you're all in on it. You, you are constantly developing it and major part of your day is dedicated to it. Yet family and self-care is present. Do you have any additional like strategies how to pay attention to that? Yes, absolutely. So this week it's a holiday. So I actually schedule. So, so you know, these uh, thanks to technology, you can schedule, you can put it in your schedule and it will happen, right? So I schedule my self-care time. I, I put it on my schedule. Today is Sunday. Sunday, I don't do any business. Sunday is my day where I get to do and choose what I want to do. So I empty out my calendar on Sunday and I don't have any anything that's business related. I devote all my day to take care of myself, be with my family and doing the things that they like to do. So I schedule myself sometimes off away from all the business I'm doing. And throughout the day, um, so luckily for me, you know, I created a business remotely. So I always had the luxury of spending the time with the family. So sometime throughout the day, if something comes up, I would move things around, move schedule around so that I can, I can be with my family. If they're my parents, so my parents live with me and they're really old. Uh, my dad is like 80, 83. My mom is in her 70s. So they require a lot of attention um, throughout the day from me. So there are times where I get interrupted and that, that's okay. So it's our relationship again to the people around us and are we giving ourselves the permission to include them to be part of our life? And I don't really consider business business anymore. It's really part of my life. This is my life. And how do I balance my life? And it, it is by giving me, giving myself the permission to say no to someone when I need to say no to. So if there's a connection call that's on my agenda and, but my family needs my attention, I'm going to give myself the permission to say no to the connection call and give myself the permission to go to my family. I think it all comes down to the values that we have in our life. What is more important to you right now? Is it your family? Is it your money? Is it your connection? What is it that's important to you? And how do you honor that value? So family is important to me. So if there's any chance that my business life is interrupting my family life, then I cut back to honor what is important to me. Beautiful. So two core ideas, 
honor your values and be able to say no to the things that are needed to be said no. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, in that perspective, uh, how do you make decisions and set priorities? You mentioned at uh, honoring your values as, as a foundation for making decisions. Um, if you're, uh, let's say, in a business process and you have two ways to go uh, to make a decision, how do you make that decision and how do you set the priority? So with that, any decision that we make, so I like to tie that to the energy leadership. So what is energy? <clears throat> energy, energy is concerning the fact that you and I are in the world, a physical world, but we're influencing each other through our energy. The energy that we wake up in the morning, how we're showing up and how we're affecting ourselves and each other, that is the energy that I'm talking about here. It's not that woo-woo stuff, that energy healing, um, but it's the fact that what the Einstein has said. Everything in this world are energy. The things that we touch, the people that we see are energy entities. So through energy, the way that it influences you is how you're going to lead. So you have to start considering yourself as a leader. I am leading right now because I'm leading in certain to inspire others to do and take actions. I'm leading in everyday life. I, as a leader, how do I want to influence others? So going into the business or going to the business aspects of this, and when it comes to making decision, you actually have seven different ways of making that choice, making that decision. The seven different perspectives or filter that we wear on any typical day, any typical hours would be the first one is the victim, victim energy. So we think that the things are happening to us, you are at the effect of a situation rather at the cause of the of the situation. So you're thinking yourself as being the victim by all the circumstances that's around you. The second one option would be the conflict energy or the conflict perception. The conflict perception generally will show up and, and approaching your decision or making a decision based on who can I blame and how do I win so that I get to win and other people, if they lose, oh well they should have done their job. So that's more like a conflict filter or conflict perception that we wear when we're making a decision. The third one would be the more of acceptance or tolerating, taking personal responsibility filter that we wear to make a decision. What are some of the choices that you're making by taking your personal responsibility? When things are not going well, oh, well, that's because I didn't contribute enough or I didn't show up enough into the situation. So I'm taking my personal uh, responsibility by making this decision just so that we can move along the process. So that's another way of making decisions. The fourth decision way, the fourth way that we can make a decision is through our compassionate heart. So a lot of this, you know, we go and watch a situation, um, even though it's not pleasant, we want to contribute by helping others because something that I need to fix. And we all have that compassionate heart to wanting to fix the situation. So we jump in, we make a decision because we need to fix it. 
The number five, which is a lot of entrepreneur will base this type of perception or uh, energy to make decision is by looking at opportunity. When I see a opportunity in front of me or a situation or decision that needs to be made in front of me, what's in it for me and how can I create that win-win situation for both parties? So a lot of entrepreneurs will jump in and use that as their decision-making process to make things work for both parties. So if I'm jumping into a collaboration, what's in it for me and that I can help you to win also. So that's not the fifth uh, way of that we can, how we can make decision. The sixth, number six would be to approach decision, decision as a collaboration, as a co-creation decision-making. So what does that mean? Co-creation means that you are contributing with your talent and so is someone else. So when I need to make a decision, I'm looking at all the talent that or all the resources that I can pull in to make this a seamless process, to make this the best outcome that I can possibly create for the whole entire team for everybody. So if I'm working with a virtual assistant, I don't just want that person to help me. I want to be able to help and promote that person as well because we're co-creating something that's beautiful that can benefit to a lot of different people. So the sixth way of that, how you can approach a decision-making process is through that lens of co-creating so that everybody, the whole entire world can benefit. And I think a lot of um, nowadays, a lot of corporates, a lot of industry are focusing on creating that sustainable um, focus future where the, the business is no longer just, will I exist 10 years down the line? It's more a mindset of, can I make this a sustainable process for the future generation. So we're, we're actually moving from what can I do now to a future? And that has to do with using this number six filter of making that decision. The seven, the last way that we can, we can uh, make a decision is based on the wisdom. So you have a situation in front of you that requires you to call for your attention to make a decision. The seven way of that, how you can use um, this wisdom to make that decision is by approaching it as everything is changing any given moment. So you're utilizing all the resources that you can get from everywhere. And you're recognizing all the talents that you can have. You're recognizing all the opportunity that can present itself. You're using all these six other ways to pull into making that best decision for the moment based on the information that you have. And things are changing, nothing will last forever. And you start approaching things from a more of um, nothing, uh, uh, something out of nothing that approach and going back to we as one mm -hmm. mindset. So that you, instead of having two way you, of making decision, you now have seven different way of how you want to make the decision. Now, depending on the situation, going back to your, your question originally, the way that I approach and making decision is I look at all the pros and cons, and I look at all the win-win. I look at what can I get out of it, but more importantly, it's how I can best serve to the situation at hand. Mm -hmm. So you start choosing, perhaps 
you know, this situation, it calls for a little victim mindset because I need some sympathies. You know, my business is not going well, so I'm going to make this decision based on I am the victim. Oh, I, I want to challenge you here. I really want to challenge <laughs> you here. Um, uh, having a background uh, a little bit, uh, studying psychology for the last four years, being married to a psychotherapist, I understand that um, having those mindsets where you've a question I wanted to ask additionally, right? You've mentioned those seven ways of making decisions and several of them are unhealthy, right? Several of them are, um, let's say, pathological thinking where you are going from a wrong place and most probably from a place of trauma or bad experience. And it's a super subjective uh, way of approaching a situation. And uh, when we approach decision-making from a stance uh, where we are approaching it from our, as you said, like a, a victim mindset, and we need this right now, uh, from, from my perspective and what I understand, that stance isn't healthy because uh, even though this is an emotional need, even though we, we feel that we deserve this. But the question is, why do we have this feeling in the first place? What generated in our life the situation where we want to feel like a victim? What is fueling this whole idea that we even give the opportunity to allow ourselves to think that we are a victim? So to answer your question, we are human. As human, we look for things that will satisfy us to meet our needs, mm -hmm. to create a safety, a sense of security. Mm -hmm. So we are afraid of some things. So I go back to the, um, a lot of my background comes from Asian, come from Chinese, being a Chinese. So I was raised to be a Buddhist um, in my ch early childhood. Uh, later on, I got exposed to uh, Christianity, but in my uh, large aspects of my life, I've been always influenced by the Buddhism, the way of how Buddhists would think. And the, the Buddhist teaching, all life is suffering. And right. So the way that we're the reason why we are suffering is because us as human, we look for satisfaction to our needs, sense of security and lust. Right. So we want pleasure. We seek pleasure. Those are the three fundamental elements that every human being will experience and look for and search. And so everything, all the existence that we are existing in life will meet those three goals. When any one of those three goals is not met, we feel disappointed, we feel hurt, we feel unsatisfied. So the reason why we go back to the victim mindset is because we're all human. Now, the idea is there's no right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. And, and when, I said, when I say there's no right or wrong, people get confused. People say, Michelle, what do you mean there's no right or wrong? There is right or wrong, there's black and white, no. There is no black or white. There is no right or wrong. You are perfectly where you are needing to be based on the level of consciousness, right? And I think this is a little going into the spiritual kind of uh, uh, topic now because we all went through a journey of how it got us to be here. We all have that level of consciousness 
And that level of consciousness is very different from one person to another. Some people have a higher level of consciousness because through their life journey, they're exposed to thinking outside the box. Their mindset would train to think more on the world as a, as a whole. There are people who are still on that path. They're on that journey. They haven't got to the place where you are now. That doesn't make them to be the wrong person. That doesn't make their belief to be wrong because it, all the beliefs that they have were based on their personal experience, their personal journey, just like you did. We, I had a different experience I had a different journey that brought me here so I may have a different level of consciousness compared to someone else who's standing next to me so there is no right or wrong what how you think how you feel what decision you are making you are perfectly where you need to be based on your level of consciousness Mm -hmm. the good news about this consciousness is that every human where we are all evolving so the more that we become evolved the more that we become more attuned into our awareness into our mindset and doing this mindfulness and meditation we start to evolve our consciousness as well so in the beginning of this episode we talked about your our purpose right so part of our purpose is also waking up to that consciousness mm-hmm. And so there is no right or wrong of being the victim. They are making a decision to the best information that they it's available to them based on their experience, based on their personal beliefs. And that's perfect. You 100% are. I agree with you that uh, one of the first things we have to accept, and you just said it, is that we have to accept that every single emotion that we are feeling, every single state that we are feeling is the right state because it says it's always serving us every single state that we have negative or positive quote unquote it's always a thing that is assisting our growth and development it's something that signals to us the direction of development that we need to pay attention towards and you're fully right on that and my question here is the idea that we're i'm not currently speaking about the the perspective where the person has to um accept where he is and build upon the idea that it is okay to feel like a victim. It is okay to feel like you're stressed or whatnot, any emotion. But uh, in the direction of us currently discussing the idea of making decisions and we look at, um, I would say, I'll put that in quotes, uh, the right way of where do we direct the development. And I believe that in a situation where you do feel those emotions, um, yes, accepting them, that is the first stage. Acknowledging them, that is the other one. The, the other, like there's stages where we work through the process of emotional states, right? And one of them is being uh, accepting and acknowledging what, what are you feeling? And then you, you go through stages where you understand where you're coming from. And that's what I'm trying to discuss currently, that there are ways about making decisions where if we follow those unhealthy habits, to which we develop because we were conditioned due to our experiences that we had through life, Yet there are things that we need to pay attention to and uh, using that and making decisions 
from that unconscious state of being, from that unconscious pattern of decision-making, we can make a lot of mistakes. Though it is okay to make decisions from that state and we don't have to bitch ourselves about it, it's a wrong process. It's not the direction we should lead. Uh, but if we find ourselves and we bring to awareness where we're coming from and how we are feeling, we need to take steps to understand that if we stay there, if we make decisions from that state of being that isn't serving us, that is built on the past, on the unconscious conditioning, it will negatively impact the development that will be in the future. And I believe that today uh, I would love in, like all the listeners to understand one additional idea is that as, as Michelle, you said, it's the right thing is to accept and acknowledge. That's number one. And if you are not currently in the state of, the, of awareness to work further, it is okay because what's done, that's done. But now I want to speak to the future and all the listeners who are noticing in their patterns a, let's say, a faulty, quote-unquote, decision-making process that is built on the past and not serving the future. We have to pay attention that those states where we find ourselves as a victim or as a, uh, let's say, as a person who is influenced by the consequences of this and the circumstances, that this is a place where we have to bring ourselves to a conscious awareness of what is happening and why. And if we're not able to do it by ourselves, reach out for professional help that will help us to make an understanding and bring to the conscious awareness of why it is as it is. And then use that knowledge to bring to a more conscious awareness. That's what I, that's what I wanted to say about the decision-making process. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I, right. I, I think it also, you know, if I may also add to it is once once people have these awareness, it's what do you what do you do with it? Right. So yes. now I yes. took it out and I put it here on the table. Yeah, I, I am fully aware that, you know, whatever decision I was making, it's not working. And this is why I'm feeling this way. What do I do with it? And so what to do with it is very simply, it's just ask yourself these, um, this one question. It's just one question. Ask yourself, you know, when you make a decision or when now that you have in front of you this awareness, what do you want to do with it? And, and how do I want to approach it, right? So you can approach it by having this fear mindset. Everything is afraid of losing. I'm afraid of losing my business. I'm afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid this and that. You can approach it by still making and moving forward by making decisions based on fear. Or you can take away the fear and really think about what is it that I can use from my past experience that, that have worked for me so well. And now I can use the same strength. I can use this talent. I can use this ability to create something out of this mm. so you turn a situation that was not working for you into a situation that you can actually make something else to create something new maybe it's a new idea that you have or maybe it's a new thing that you've been thinking about ask yourself which mindset am I basing this on? Is it a fear-based mindset or is it based out of love, based out of abundance, based out of uh, prosperity? Yeah. yeah, opportunity. Wonderful. Uh, let's look at uh, planning life. 
So making decisions is one thing. The other one is planning and looking into the future. How far ahead in life do you plan? And do you have an ideal life scenario? I plan my 10 years Mm -hmm. ahead. (laughs) So you know how a lot of um, planners or any journals that you use, you pick up law of attraction journals or any type of journal that you use, they talk about the 10 year plan. They talk about the five-year plan. They talk about the one-year plan. And then I break it down into even further um, to six months, three months, one month, and two weeks. So mm-hmm. in my journal, I actually script out what my goal would be in two weeks, in one month, in three months, in six months, and so forth, so on and so forth. So I, the other day, I was looking at my journal, which I had uh, kept for many years, and and Last year, right around this time, I wrote down my one-year goal, my six-month goal, my three-month three goal, and I had it on a piece of paper. I went back to it, and I was reading it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really powerful because I am, I'm actually accomplishing my one-year goal right here, right now, as Wonderful. we speak. So I, I plan out up to 10 years. Mm. You're the second guest that is talking about um, limiting their plan to minimum of two weeks. Why two and not one? Well, two is a good thing, good number for for me to build a habit. Um, two would be something that I can I can do starting from today. Two is something that I can put it on my calendar. I can see it. And I can make it happen. So I think too, it's just, it's not a magical number. Some people work better with one. Just what do I want to accomplish with one week? But two seems to be something that I can create sustainably. Mm. I can build a habit and I can visualize it right there in my calendar. Because if you open up the monthly calendar, it's right there in the middle. And it keeps reminding me that is where my my mile marker would be and I need to I I look at it every single day so I think two is a good number for me just because it's in the middle of something and so my favorite number from one to ten is actually the middle and my favorite number would be number five uh, because right there in the middle Mm -hmm. wonderful that's actually uh, an interesting thing you said Uh, I'm also in uh, in the masterminding that um, I do is uh, the idea that having two-week goals and um, uh, instead of doing just bi-weekly meetings, uh, do a meeting uh, bi-weekly, but also do a planning session in between to refocus and realign and get the things done that you need in that time frame to boost the process to achieving that two-week goal. So that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Very interesting idea. Now, let's look at uh, considering, right, that uh, business growth is ever going. The to-do list is always ever growing, right? How do you plan your week and what tools or systems help you to be productive? So my, I'm a planner addict, so I have tons of planners my, on my bookshelf. I recently just added another one. Um, so I have seven different planners. Wow. At the same time, at the same time, at the same time. Yeah. At the same time. So what I did was I adapted a system where I can incorporate all seven planner into one book system. 
Um, and, and what I do is I take out, I take out one month at a time. So I keep in my journal one month at a time, all the things that I want to accomplish, all the content that I want to create, all the classes or program that I'm offering on that one month plan. And I schedule it that based on that one month at a time. And I take out remove update every month for my following month. So I have seven different planners kept in one system. And that one system contains all the things I want to do with business, client meetings, um, classes that I'm currently offering, and all these um, social media content that I am creating, I'm posting, and I'm blogging. Uh, I do speaking. So all the topic that I spoke about, speaking about, I jotted down all in my planner. Now to to do this is long. So I break it down into weekly plan. So every week on Sunday that I talked about that I use it for myself, that's my self-care time. So part of my self-care time is actually enjoying writing in my planner on Sunday. So on Sunday, I will plan out my whole week ahead. What are some of the things I need to do and how urgent they are for me to do in that particular week and which day I would like to get things done on that weekly plan. So I break it down into weekly and then on my daily, I break it down further to my daily tasks. There's always uh, boxes on my daily schedule. What are some of the things I want to accomplish? What are my routines? So on the very top of my daily calendar, I have a section for the routines that I do. Routine like exercise, meditation, journaling. Those are will go onto my routine section of to-do. And then on my uh, daily schedule, what are some of the things I need to um, do. For example, I have a podcast recording today. So that goes on to my daily task. Um, and then I break it down to what time do I want to uh, maybe take a break or do some uh, running errands. And I put that onto my daily as well. So I break it down from one month to one week and then to every day. And I carry all seven um, notebooks together. So it looks like this. Mm. So did I understand correctly? So for every agenda that is a global goal for you, a global thing, you have a separate uh, journal. In yes. each of them, you have a monthly plan, which is divided into weeks and daily habits. And you're, every day you have all them seven together so that any time that you need, you can reach out and do your thing. Correct. So right. I have one section, one journal that's, uh, I call them the catch them all. So basically, all the things I want to do for that particular uh, week or month or, or day, I jot it down in my catch them all. And then if I need more details, so say, for example, I'm creating a Facebook content, a Facebook post, I go to my business section, I look at what is the topic that I want to talk about and how detailed do I want to do, talk about it and how many minutes. So I write down more detail in terms of what is that task involved? What does that task tells me? And, and I also do a reading journal. So it's also in the reading journal where I do a lot of speaking. So when I need to refer to a quote, I have a reference to go to of which quote did I did it come from and from which book? So I keep track of all the speaking topic. I talk about um, all these quotes that I would love to refer back to later. Um, so it becomes my content uh, journal, sort mm. of, so to speak. How do you manage to carry that all around? Seven. It's journals. a really simple. It's just a simple one one notebook, 
And so the way that you do it, it's uh, you, you take out one month at a time. So you're just carrying one. Okay. So it's, it's like a journal that you, you put in uh, every month, new, new, yep. uh -huh. new pages. So you can take it out. You can take it out. Mm. And you can snap it back in. Wow. Where do you get those? <laughs> That's interesting. This is called... This is called Happy Planner. So if people, if the audience is interested, you know, just typing Happy Planner. It's very, you know, um, girlish. So if you're a woman, great. You know, if you're a guy, come up with your own system. But it's basically, it's called Disc Bound Journal or Disc Bound Planner. And the discs are just these, uh, these discs. You can fully customize it by snapping it on, take it out. It's, uh, it's my go-to productivity um, method. I, I still use my phone, but in, in terms of the phone, it's really quick for me to put down the calendar, but then I transfer it out. I'm a very visualizing person. Mm -hmm. I visualize things. So I got to put it down on a piece of paper with my pen in order to make it become a reality. So mm -hmm. even though I still carry my phone, I do a lot of things on paper. Wonderful. That's, I believe, for, for many, especially women, would be really interesting to take a look into. Because I believe, like, looking at the system, it looks pretty neat. So if you're constantly changing and you have, like, snipping in pages and you can extend any time you want, that provides a lot of freedom to the classical journal where you just have a fixed amount of pages and space that you want to fill in. That's, that's a great idea. I used to carry a lot of journals and I'm a journal person. So I, I, I have so many journals laying around and a lot of time I don't get to finish the whole entire journal because I can never remember where I put them and what did I have in them. So it becomes a big mess. And now, now with this system, it's perfect because I carry all everything that it's in one place. I can just go to one place to look for whatever that I'm looking for. Budget, Wonderful. I keep Wonderful. budget. So there's a budget journal. Cool. So let's look at uh, the idea and a part of your journal in business, right? Uh, as you said, you have monthly, weekly, and daily goals. Uh, what kind of activities do you do on a monthly, on a weekly, and daily basis that is pivotal to your business growth? So monthly, a lot of what I do is about creating a relationship with others or making connection with others. So a lot of what I do on a monthly basis is two things. So I have a book club that I am offering to, it's a free book club that I offer to everyone, uh, all the women. I, I'm particularly really strict about um, who comes into the group. It's only offered to women currently. And we meet every month, we talk about one book. So that's something that I can provide to others where they can find a safe place to talk about the idea behind a book, what have they learned, things that they would like to share in a safe space. So that's something that's going on monthly. And then I'm also doing a meditation circle. So I invite all the um, people who are at different stages of their meditation experience to come and join me on a monthly basis to meditate together and we talk about the life challenges and all the things that they're going through and experiencing and hopefully by practicing meditation they'll be able to release those um, negativity that's carrying or that's happening in their lives and so that's happening on a monthly basis and on the weekly basis I am hosting a facilitating a meditation uh 
session, a live session in my Facebook group where I offer everyone to just jump on, take five minutes out of your day. Usually it's in the morning at eight o'clock Pacific time. And I invite everyone to just take five minutes and that's just practice mindfulness together. So every week we have a different topic that we will practice on and I teach them the techniques of how to, how to meditate. Two weeks ago, I was doing the uh, breathing exercise, teaching people how to breathe and just using that mindful moment to enjoy some quietness and stillness in their life. On a daily basis, I'm posting uh, inspirational quotes, uh, social media posts. I also do uh, podcasts. I do um, blog posts. So there's a lot of things going on. If people like to follow me, they'll, they'll get a lot of information. I'm a, <laughs> I have a tendency to give a lot. <laughs> cool. That's a great thing. In terms of po daily posting, what works uh, for you the most? Like, were, did you pay attention to what kind of uh, daily content uh, gives you the most maybe engagement or maybe leads to generating more business for you? Yeah, yes and no. Um, so the way that I do it since I'm a planner person and this go back to my productivity. So usually around this time of the year, I would sit down like maybe one week. And since this week is the slowest week for me, I usually sit down and just plan out my whole 52 weeks of content. Mm. So, <laughs> so I'm a mindset coach. And, and what I focus on a lot has to do with, you know, changing your mindset through that internal narrative. So it's about that negative self-talk. So that is my niche. And so I create all my content based out of that niche. So when we talk about negative self-talk, what comes up to your mind? And I will write down the whole 52 weeks of content the year before. Now say something happened. Um, say, for example, the uh, tragedy that happened or pandemic happened, then I can go back to my calendar, I can pull out what are some of the things that I need to change for that particular week. Mm. If we're talking about election, what are some of the things that people may be experiencing through that negative self-talk, through that self-doubt, through that fear that is in relationship to the election that's happening? So I change, change things around just depending on what's coming up. Now, to answer your question about the engagement and how much, uh, when do I post to get the most out of it towards my business, I, I think it's really through, so, so it goes back to how you are being. So when you are being fully present with yourself, in yourself, showing up for every single post and showing up to all your audience, replying all the comments, there is no doubt that people are going to be attracted to what you're posting, what you're sharing, your message, and people will come to you. So there is really no magic number of when do I post that will get you the most content? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some strategy that you can follow, you can try it out, but ultimately it comes back to how genuine, how authentic you are towards your audience and when do you engage them? Mm -hmm. And do you comment, do you reply to all the posts that people are making comments on? Are you showing up for them? And I think that's what people look for. And I think that is what's going to drive your audience. That's what's going to sustain you in the long term. You can follow. There's really no perfect algorithm that you can follow and say, you know what? Post at between the hour of 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. That's going to get you most like. If you continue to show up and not show up for your audience, for your people, for your tribe, then it doesn't matter what time you post. No one's going to 
care about what you say. Mm -hmm. So it's about how you show up in your business. Wonderful. Do you use any specific system that helps you to plan out the whole year of content? Yes. <laughs> so I'm all about resources, right? So, so I have a social media manager who helped me uh, create these uh, po posting, schedule them, and also um, answer some of the simple, simple comments like, oh, you know, your post is great. Thank you. Um, I also use later. I use a social media uh, managing system online so I can schedule. Um, so again, I use Sunday to pre-plan all my week and that include creating those social media posts. So I schedule them a week ahead. So on all you, the things uh, but how does that synchronize with the idea that you're making content a year ahead? So I look at, I go to, so say this week, I need to put out for the following week, right? So I go to my calendar and I look at, what is it, the topic that I'm talking about this particular week? And I, I type, I re, I write all the content for that week. Ah, okay. So in advance, what you do a year before is you do an outline of the topics and what can be valuable at that time and that part of the year. You have that list and then weekly you come back to it to make it happen. Yes. Got you. So okay. weekly, Understood. weekly I write what is important to that particular topic. Got you. Wonderful. So uh, looking at um, writing, and you've already touched upon um, having help, having a team, uh, what would you say in terms of finding your VA? And you, as I understood, VA was the first hire that you made. Uh, or was it a social media manager? Who was first? Social media manager was the first person I hired. Okay. Um, let's talk about how did you find them? What tips can you give to others in finding uh, their uh, people to whom outsource things? So I think hiring, it goes back to the idea of what is it your value? What do you value in your life? And how does that person fit? under your value. So if that person, if you value family a lot or you value connection a lot. So my three biggest values are um, um, authenticity, courage, and connections. So when I look to hire these social media manager, whether it's social media manager or virtual assistant, I look at their values. So when I ask questions, I ask them, you know, what is important to you? And what would you say are the best um, talent that your client had, has said about you? And I give them a test trial. Um, so I don't just hire on someone. I give them kind of like a probation period where it's my opportunity to get to know you. And I invite them to have a meeting with me, a quick chat with me, so that I get to meet them in person to get a sense of what is their vibration and what is that they are, are saying. You can get a lot of information through our gesture, through our facial expression, to our eye contact, the way that we speak. Mm -hmm. You can get a lot of value and information out of that person just by meeting them for a quick 15 minutes. And so one of my criteria is that we jump on a brief call for 15 minutes and I like to get to know you on a personal, personal level and not so much of what, how much do you charge and, and what is it that you're providing? How much, how much can you uh, uh, help me with? I want to get to know them on a personal uh, level so that I can understand their value. Mm -hmm. Once those are in a line, then I can say, well, okay, so here are my, uh, the things that I like to have it done. 
is this something that you can help me with? And they'll tell me like what they are able to provide and what they are able to contribute and how they can, they can, they can help me. I think once you, and, and this goes to anyone who's looking for a job as well, look at the value of the company, look at the mission that they have in their company. So those are the two things that I, I always look for when I'm hiring or outsourcing to um, others to mm-hmm. do some work for me, because I want to make sure that I am providing the value to them and their value is in alignment with mine. Mm-hmm. So that it becomes a seamless effort. I don't have to worry about not being aligned with our values. Mm-hmm. How do you find them? Uh, I meaning, like, are there any platforms that you can suggest to look for people? So um, there's a couple of ways that you can look for a virtual system or social media manager. I went to Fiverr. Fiverr.com. It's a great way of finding the resources that you need. Um, I outsource a lot to countries where they are in need and they appreciate your business. Mm. I personally believe in, so I, I had a startup company and, and for me, initially it was a struggle, right? Getting out there, getting to be seen, getting to be known. And I was lucky that a lot of people whom I'm, I come, come in contact with, they gave me the opportunity to do the startup. They trusted me that I have the talent. They trusted me that I have the ability to be a good coach. So as a return of service, I find individual who's at their startup company, but they have the skill, they have the talent. They just need that opportunity to, to be seen, to be heard, to be known. So I look for uh, people on fiber.com. And I also find people on social media. So there's a lot of Facebook group where you can join and look for virtual assistants or social media manager, and you interview them. You invite them to a small, like I said, a connection call, so you get to know them individually. Mm-hmm. So those are the two great resources Wonderful. to find your virtual assistants. Cool, that, that's a great idea. Um, about uh, hiring, why did you hire a social media manager first rather than a VA? I think a lot of what I was doing initially, it was building, a, it was about building online presence. Mm. And, and we all know social media, everyone is on their phone nowadays. And social media is the first thing that people will go to. So when I first started out the business, you know, I wanted to create that online presence, that branding awareness. So I devoted a lot of time on social media. And while that was great, that was fine. But, you know, again, my passion is not, engaging using social media. My passion is in my coaching. So I decided, you know, when the social media was taking too much of my time, I need to outsource that. That's some that someone else can take care of it to schedule the post, to engage those simple answering those simple questions for me. Um, So I started to look for a social media manager because I was finding myself getting too distracted by the social media, by the fact that I was creating that online presence. Mm -hmm. Got you. Wonderful answer. Uh, In terms of uh, the buyer's journey, like from them getting interested or finding out about you to becoming your client or, or even past being a client of yours, what do you believe is the most important step in that journey? And what would you suggest to maximize the conversion to the next step? Interesting how you ask this question because I just answered this in a, in a Facebook group the other day. So 
Number one is to show up. And there is no magic way of converting a lead to your client. You have to show up. And what do I mean by showing up? You, you have to show up in that conversation. You have to show up being there for that person so that you are actually providing values. People will buy based on the value that you are providing. People are not buying based on the dollar sign. And, and I know this, is, this can be shocking for a lot of people, a lot of coaches who's undercharging or underestimating their value because they want to get that client. They want to sign up that client. So they lower their price just so that they believe that the pricing is the number one thing that people look at. No, people look at the value you are providing to your clients. So if you can show up 100%, in the coaching session, even if it's complimentary, if you can show up by providing the value to that person, what that person is really truly needing right now, if you can do that, your conversion rate would be 100%. And I have done it multiple times. And I have just simply because I showed up. The second, second tip that I would like to share is that once you show up, you you have to, so providing the value is number one, right? So the second thing is that you have to engage them in the way that it's not transactional. You're building a relationship with that person. And even if the person decided not to continue with your service or not to buy your service, you don't just completely cut out that person. You're building a relationship that with that someone. Um, so I think a lot of people are making their business very transactional. And if I don't see what I can get out of you, then they stop and say, you know what, there's nothing in it for me. But you, you know, going back to the perception, you're approaching it based on a victim mindset, right? What, 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 what is it that I can get out of this relationship? Maybe it's not something that's associated with dollar, but a referral sometimes or a review. So uh, what about my the idea? Is uh, always what about the idea that um, Gary Vaynerchuk always, always talks about this idea is not to sell to the unsellable. And uh, the idea about where we have to invest our time uh, towards communicating and reaching out to people but following through on a conversation and then focusing on that relationship only if you know as they say only if it's a hell yeah if, if you it, you know the the thing that you're saying right you have a hundred percent conversion rate from that first initial conversation and when you're for a complimentary session when you're serving full out you're providing the most uh, service, most value that you can give. You share it away and you convert the person 100%, as you say. Did I understand that correctly? Yes. Right. So uh, if you're converting 100%, then there are no people after the complimentary session that leave and do not work with you. Is that correct? Correct. So it means that there are no people that you leave out after providing value because they convert 100%. And what I mean here is that for those people who attract people, 
to be in that, let's say, complementary service or whatnot. And then the client says no. And then the client says, um, I cannot afford you or it's not my thing at the moment. I don't understand or whatnot. And from there, as uh, for example, a perspective, you continue actually looking for the person that does see the value that you're providing. And you're not trying to convince that you do have value to people who just don't get the value, don't see it in what you're offering. And how do you perceive this one? So I think people take no on a very personal level. So, so people take no very personal. Mm-hmm. When, when the clients say no, uh, I, I can't remember who said this, but there's a saying that goes, no right now is not a no forever, mm-hmm. right? So just because that person say no this current moment doesn't mean that person is going to say no a week, a month, a year down the line. And so if you take it very personal by uh, accepting that is a no, then you're actually cutting off an opportunity that can lead to something else a year, a week, a month down the line. Mm -hmm. What you can do is, as a coach, I don't take no for an answer. And I don't believe there's anyone who is uh, not sellable and insellable, right? Because everyone need is looking for something and that something is something it just happened that you can provide in that moment so that makes it a no for that particular moment but things will change and that no will very easily turn into a yes if you are able to address what is the underlying issues if the underlying issue is the fear out of i don't know if i can see the value by by hiring you, or I don't see the value of me signing up to the program. That no is based on the no that your client is providing is actually coming out from a fear-based mentality. So it is your responsibility to address that fear at pointing out that fear to your client, because that decision right now that the client is making, it's doing a big disservice to that client. So if you accept no as a coach, you are not picking up and addressing what your client is really experiencing. That's a really uh, important thing you said, but what about if the client is just not your client? Then, then, so again, don't take personal and that would be very appropriate to let the client go. It's not you, it's a client's choice to, to want to go. Exactly. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, if the client says now and he walks off, you refocus on the on the next client that potentially is a yes. And and you allow that to be and you don't if a person says no, just as you said right now, right, you said it perfectly. If a client is a no, and he it's not your client, you let him go and be on their own journey and focus on the next one, right? And that, that's yes. what I was getting to, that it's not always all about you, where you have to find the right question for them to release that fear or release that resistance, bre- break through it and understand everything and accept and go all in. But uh, it is also a question of that it can be potentially just not your client. Yes, yes. So it's yeah, right. So don't take personal because it's not about you. And I think you said it perfectly. It's not about you. It's about what is best for the clients. Mm-hmm. And so you still have your 
conversion rate a hundred percent. All right, all right, got you. <laughs> <laughs> right, either either way, it's not about you. But if you were to look at, you know, because some of the audience like to look at the number. Like, this is something that people approach me a lot of the time. What's your conversion rate? Right, people look at the number and they don't look at what is um, the the outcome of it. What what does your client get? What can they get out of it? Like, what is the ultimate outcome or result that you are providing? It's not the conversion rate. It's how impactful you are in your coaching session. I hear you. All right. Uh, let's l- talk about being more aware of such kind of things as well and uh, lead into the perspective that running a business, leading people, demands built up of self-awareness and constant work on self-development. Uh, in your case, can you name one tool or one system that massively boosts your self-awareness like remember some time in the past you first encountered it and it was like a mind-blowing experience where your self-awareness level just broke through the roof at that moment or through encountering that tool i would say meditation Mm. meditation it's been something that had impacted me tremendously and and maybe meditation is a big word so how about mindfulness i think mindfulness is something it's less intimidating intimidating and it's probably more easily accepted by the vast majority of the population um i think initially when i first got introduced to meditation or just being mindful i i had a hard time practicing it and I had that impression of meditation means that you got to sit down in a quiet place and you got to meditate for the next one hour, two hours, and however that means. Um, and I just couldn't do it. You know, I, I had a really busy chattering mind. And every time I sit down and do we meditate, I felt like I just can't stop thinking or I just can't stop that, that silencing that, that sense. And people were talking about like, oh, there's that stillness, that calm and peace that you experience. I didn't get any of that. What really worked for me was one one day when I was struggling with this whole chattery mind and busy mind, I went and visited a local temple where they were offering meditation session. So there was a one Shifu. Um, she was offering a meditation for the beginner session. So I went and it was a two, two hour session. And she taught us how to do the sitting meditation. She taught us how to do the walking meditation. She taught us how to just sit and enjoy that moment and just, just let it be. And I think that was really um, transformative for me because then I came home, I felt liberated. I felt, okay, I can do this. And initially I was just doing five minutes at a time. So five minutes, I sit myself down, learn how to breathe, learn to listen to the sound that's near to me and just listening to the sound that came up in my mind. So I started to practicing meditation ever since then. And that was... I would say five, six years ago. Mm. How did that boost uh, your self-awareness? Like in terms of understanding yourself, right? Uh, what, I, what I mean by self-awareness currently is not only about being mindful about what's around you or what's coming out of you, uh, but more, okay, more of what is coming out of you 
So better understanding your patterns, right? Patterns of thought, patterns of emotions, patterns of behavior. So how did meditation influence that? So I believe meditation is one first step. You can't, you can't really listen to whatever is going on, whatever wants to come out, your self-awareness. It can't come out until you quiet down. If you keep busy, if you're being distracted by all these things, it, it's very difficult to have that self-awareness. You may have glimpse moments where you are very self-aware. You know what's going on. You know how to, how to operate. You know how to make decisions. But that moment is very brief. So the first step is actually to quiet down your mind. So meditation is how you quiet down your mind. The self-awareness will come through when you can quiet your mind. You start to listen to become curious of what's going on inside. So there are voices that's going to come up when situational, right? I can face a situation or, or a circumstance and I would have these internal voice. You wouldn't recognize that it was there until you quiet your mind and you start recognizing, hmm, I wonder why I am feeling angry right now. And when you start asking yourself and be curious of what is what are you feeling, what's going on emotionally or what's going on with your thoughts, then you can have choices that you can understand yourself better. So I think self-awareness come after you are able to quiet your mind. Mm, beautiful. Now, uh, let's look at the, uh, let's say, perception of uh, finances. And um, the idea of um, have you ever been in a situation where you would say multiplied the income that you were getting in the first place and got it, let's say, 10 times higher? Have you been there? How, yeah. How did that uh, how did that transition feel from a perspective of um, who you are as a person and self-perception? Yeah. So earlier uh, in the beginning of 2020, I was pretty much so I, I spent a good amount of money to put myself through a coaching program. And, and that took, I took it out from my, all my saving prior. And so my money, my bank account was dropping low. So at the beginning of the year, I was looking at month to month living. And, you know, I still have that my, my side hustle as a clinical pharmacist. So that side hustle was still generating some income, but that was not enough to sustain. So I start to worry about if I don't get any more clients, I am pretty much screwed. You know, I'm out of the business. And so I was, I was really focusing on how can I get more, um, more clients in order to fill my bank. And at that time, I was really struggling because every time I do a social media post, every time I talk about things, it was all coming out from that scarcity mindset. What am I lacking? And if I don't have a client, I'm, I'm really screwed. I need to generate more income. So with that scarcity mindset, I was not getting any result because every time I put out a program or hosting an event, no one wants to show up because I wasn't fully present. That got changed um, 
after I was talking to a peer coach of mine, and then we were talking about the perception to money. And so she asked me, you know, what is your relationship to the money? And I said, what do you mean? You know, and so I sat there, I was contemplating my relationship to money. And I realized that scarcity was really, I was afraid to lose money. I was afraid to let money go. And money is very interesting subject. It's a very interesting topic because money is a value. Money is something that we attach a lot of feeling to it. And when you attach a lot of feeling to it, money becomes something that you cannot lose. And for just having the idea of losing your money, it scares a lot of people. But money likes to be in a flow. So if your money is not in a state of flow, meaning there's the in, influx and there's the outflux, right? So if you are preventing or stopping your money from outflow, then there is no money coming in. So money likes to be in a state of flow. So money needs to go out and money needs to come in. And so that was the time when I realized I was spending a lot of time on social media. So that was the time I decided I need to hire someone to help me with this online presence, with creating and scheduling these posts. So I can focus on what I need to focus on. So money starts to go out. And guess what? Money starts to come in because mm. there is that flow of rhythm behind money. So it's our relationship to the money that is stopping it from coming in. So mm -hmm. if those listeners who are struggling with the, with, the, with the flow of the money or the relationship of the money, that's where you need to probably to look at what is your relationship to the money. And I remember my friend sat me down and, and she said, well, if you were to have a conversation with your money right now, what would you say to your money? Yeah. So I said to my money, you are my friend. You're here to help me. Money is here to help me. Hmm. All right. Talking about help. Um, in terms of like, there is this quote by Jim Ron that your income is the average of your five closest friends. And how um, important was and is your surrounding for the growth and success of your business? I, I would say very important because you do want to surround yourself with the like-minded people who, who resonate with your vibration, who resonate with the level of energy or the level of consciousness that you are currently at. And so, you know, I, I remember myself finding myself struggling with letting go some of the uh, friends and people who no longer resonate with my my energy or my vibration because every time I talk about something they don't they don't they don't understand or they can resonate with it so I find a lot of disconnection uh, uh, between us so I had to make a choice by letting them go because they no longer are in my space a resonating space of energy mm -hmm. now it goes back to how you are being. If you are being who you are, then the people that attract to your tribe will resonate with your level of, of energy, with the level of space and finance success as well. So I noticed that, you know, myself, I'm attracting a lot more of the people in my tribe with similar uh, idea, similar concepts, similar backgrounds, and similar level of finance success. Hmm. 
how do you do that? So you let go of uh, the people, let's say let go of the people that aren't serving the energy that you are, the level of energy you're on, as well as the level you're striving towards. Um, how do you create a new environment, a new surrounding of people that um, will be serving you? Do you do it proactively or, uh, or was it something that came naturally due to you letting go? It was something that's very holistic and something very naturally because when you are being who you are, uh, the things that you talk about, the ideas that you are sharing, the, the uh, information that you're posting or the stuff that you're talking about, it's very different than from, say, uh, uh, three months ago or a year ago. The, the concept, the topic that you speak about every day to your friend is going to change. So it comes very naturally as your consciousness is elevated, as you're becoming more self-aware, as you're becoming building that uh, self-realization, you start to um, not avoid, but you start to shift away. And people can see that. People will resonate with that. People can, um, who can't really see how you're changing and who doesn't accept how you're changing, they will just actually slowly drift away. So it's a very natural process. And I like to describe it as a state of flow. So when you are in a state of flow, things will just flow. And just like the river, there is no stopping uh, or avoiding. You know, The water doesn't just avoid certain rocks just because it's bigger. The water will just follow the river however it's being shaped so imagine you are the water you're just in the flow and so there are some rocks that who stay on the on the side of the bank on the on the shore then they will just remain on the shore of the bank and as you you will just continue your flow so there's really no um, you know, I'm going to avoid them. I don't want to see them anymore. I don't want to deal with them. There is no such thing. It's just that you are just being who you are in that state of flow and things will just come naturally. So as a thesis extracting from what you said would be for the, like, I know that there are a majority, I would say not, uh, let's say many, I would say the majority of entrepreneurs out there they they are a lonely and b they are not voicing themselves and what you've mentioned there are the key three things is about getting out there is about voicing your opinions is about being your Celtic authentic self and actually shining that to the world because how the hell people will find you if you're not sharing it right and thank that, you that, and I believe that this is the thesis out of what you shared is that you've talked about the thing where the person is doing that. And I believe that the majority of the listeners are not even doing that. And, and if you find yourself in a situation where you are, let's say, more, more conscious than your surrounding, you have a surrounding that is not serving you. For you to create a new surrounding, you need to stop being afraid of the judgment and uh, any, any perception of how your old surrounding will perceive you. And you, you need to shine your truth so that the new surrounding that you truly want around you will actually start finding you. 
because there's no other way than uh, how to find someone than being out there for people to find. Exactly. And I think, you know, you touch a great point about fear, right? So a lot of people are afraid of, you know what, you know, I don't want to lose them. I don't want them to feel like I, I'm leaving them. They, I don't want to feel I'm being judged because I want something else in my life. And like, if you keep fearing that, chances are you're not speaking your truth. You're not speaking up for the people who are actually out there looking for you. And I, I work with clients where they're, they're starting out their business and they're so afraid of speaking. And I ask them, like, why are you afraid to speak? And they're like, well, I don't know if someone is going to listen. I don't know how people is going to judge me. Well, guess what? There's going to be people out there who's looking for you and they don't even know where you are because you're not speaking up. Exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. So one of the key strategies that, uh, that helped you most is speaking up, being present, showing up and uh, letting the people who resonate with you showing up as yourself come in contact with you and reaching out. Beautiful. Exactly. That's how we got connected. Yeah. Beautiful. So as an end thought to this wonderful conversation, I would ask you to give advice to the listeners what they can do right now uh, to make the most out of 2021 in their business. I would say to stop waiting. I think we waited all our life for something to happen. We waited all our entire year for something to happen. And we have this huge bucket list of to-dos that we keep putting it off and, and we just aren't able to check off. So if there's anything that you learn from this conversation or from this year, the whole entire year is don't take things for granted. Our life is not something to be taken lightly. It's not something going to last forever. So whatever you have in your bucket list, whatever you have on your to-do list, start checking them off rather than keep waiting for things to happen. Beautiful. It was Michelle Quay. Thank you for being with us. You're a wonderful guest. I wish you a prosperous 2021, uh, productively growing your business, impacting life, sharing your light. And for all the listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, all the information about Michelle and her business, you'll be able to find in the description to this episode. I wish everyone a productive year and thank you for being with us thank you thank you for having me